0: Hello and welcome to Warwick's Classics and Discussion Podcast. Alchemy and alcohol are only two of the many Arabic words which came all the way to Albion. The word alchemy had to travel a long distance. Originally a Greek term used in Hellenized Egypt, it passed into Arabic, Latin, French, and finally English. Translation made this transfer of ideas possible. During the heyday of the Islamic empire, in the 8th to 10th centuries, a massive translation movement from Greek into Arabic took place. Without it, our modern world would hardly be the same, nor algebra and algorithms, for instance, No chemistry and no medicine as we know it. Islam itself would be unrecognizable because Muslim theologians and lawyers used the tools of Greek logic and argumentation to develop their own disciplines. Greek-Arabic Studies, a rapidly growing field within classics, investigates the translation movement. Why were nearly all available Greek texts translated into Arabic? How did these translations lay the foundation for much of Muslim civilization? And who were the people who produced them? With me to, to discuss uh, Greek-Arabic Studies are two of my colleagues at Warwick, uh, Ben Callum and uh, Uwe Vagerpol. Hello. 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 So um, maybe I'll start with you over um, what what is Greek or Arabic studies what what, what what does one do when one is a Greek or arabist uh, as you are? Uh,
1: the material we work with is a certain genre of Arabic literature from say the 7th to the uh, 11th century which consists of translations from Greek into Arabic and uh, the texts that were actually translated during this period cover, basically all fields of ancient knowledge. They range from philosophy, to the sciences, to medicine, and um, many texts which were translated into Arabic are not extant anymore in Greek. So the only witness we have for these texts are the Arabic translations. So basically, as a Greek
0: or arabist uh, you study Arabic translations? Or- as you say, made roughly to, to, you know, in the 8th, 9th, 10th century, thereabouts. And uh, some of the works which we have in Arabic, the Greek original, is lost. So you already mentioned uh, medicine, uh, philosophy. So what else uh, was translated? I mean, are there other, uh, you know, genres uh,
1: as in, in general, one can say that um, Muslim translators translated almost everything of Greek literature they found in the areas controlled by um, Muslim rulers, with the single exception of... of of literature such as as, uh, poetry or epics. They seem to have ignored that most of the time.
0: has just told us that uh, medicine, philosophy was translated in other texts, uh, everything apart from literature. But who were the people who translated all these texts and why did they do it, Bink? uh...
2: Um, Well, we don't know uh, the names and personalities of, of the earliest translators although it seems fairly certain that they were, the majority of them were, were Christians from the various Christian communities uh, within the Islamic world. Um, some of them were fairly high up in the church. We get names of, of, of bishops, for example, who, who did translations. But these seem to be mostly on a sort of ad hoc basis. Um, later on in the ninth century, we know that um, translation schools started, or groups of translators came together. Um, The most famous name amongst these is Hunayn Ibn Ishaq, who uh, worked in Baghdad in early to mid 9th century.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, 806 uh, till 873 or 75, they're different uh, different death dates. Uh, So we have Christians uh, who who do most of the translations, but um, why? I mean, why, why do they do it? What's, what's the motivation?
2: Well, the, I mean, first of all, they were able to, and seeing as their liturgical language was, was Greek, so they had a knowledge of, of Greek. Um, if they were educated, well-educated, as, as they must have been, um, then they would have been educated in Greek, and uh, to read literary Greek, not just the Greek dialects that were spoken in the Islamic world. And, of course, they were um, literate and educated um, in Arabic as well. Um, so, first of all, they had the skills.
0: Okay, they could do it, but why?
2: Well, why? Uh, there was there was a lot of money to be made in this, is, is one of the reasons. There was high-level patronage um, from, from the ruling elite. Um, and in the case of Honain and his school, Hunayn himself was a physician, and uh, much of what he translated were were texts on medicine. So it was personally useful and interesting to him, Um, and that, on the flip side of that, it also meant that his uh, practical working knowledge of medicine um, allowed him to understand points in in medical texts that would be very obscure to non-practitioners.
0: And we have these uh, Christians uh, who translate huge amounts of material from um, Greek into Arabic and uh, they are motivated often by Mammon so to speak they want to make uh, the quick buck uh, we hear about uh, I doubt it was a quick buck to be <laughs> <laughs> well they wanted to make money in any hmm. case or at least uh, we hear about very high fees being paid for these uh, translations uh, so we have set the scene so to speak we know what was translated and we know who did it let's come a bit more to uh, two topics um, on which uh, the both Uwe and uh, you are experts. One is medicine, the other is alchemy. I start with medicine. How did uh, the translation of medical texts
1: work? Um, and why was it important in the Islamic world? Um, now, f- Some of the translators actually were practitioners themselves. So they were physicians. And like Hunain, no? Like Hunain, for instance, and, and people in a circle. And uh, apart from their own involvement, there was definitely a market for a certain kind of medical knowledge. There was a marketplace for this kind of knowledge, which means there were physicians, of course, there was already a class of physicians, um, some of whom improved their knowledge by accessing texts that others didn't know about. So, of course, their, their value in the market rose because they knew more. They, they were better able to... Um, recognize certain illnesses, treat certain illnesses. So by accessing translated Greek knowledge, they were able to serve their customers better than before, or serve their patients better than before. That was certainly one important motivation for translating medical material. And this, This translation process lasted for a long time, so we find most of the more important Greek writings on medicine translated at some point or another in these two three hundred years
0: yeah and um, as i understand it i mean the the um, theoretical or the uh, you know like philosophical background to to medicine in the islamic world is really taken from the greeks yes the this idea of human pathology you know black bile yellow bile and blood uh, the four humors making up health uh, and their imbalance making up uh, uh, resulting in disease uh, so this was something which um, pervaded uh, Islamic medicine and uh, had a lasting impact. So on the one hand, obviously, we have this tradition you like uh, knowledge, which is translated, acquired, which gives you maybe an edge in the marketplace. Um, On the other hand, uh, I believe that there was innovation. Was there not? Is there... How how were they innovative? Or can you say anything about that? Did they go beyond? Did the Islamic doctors uh, go beyond their Greek forebears, so to speak?
1: Uh, They certainly did. Um, The process of uh, the constitution of medicine in, in the Islamic world didn't just start and end with the translation of Greek medicine which was then used without modification really, but the knowledge was worked with. That is. Practitioners used the knowledge in their own practice, treated patients according to it, recorded their observations about illnesses, about treatments, and so on and so forth. And so were able to develop, to further develop this very knowledge they had they had taken from from Greek sources. And some of the most important medical discoveries of the Middle Ages were actually the result of these physicians' engagement with Greek sources, their criticism of Greek of Greek sources, their reworkings of some of these sources. Mm. Yeah, I mean one
0: example which is often quoted in this area is, uh, you know, Arazi, for instance, uh, you know, distinguishing between smallpox and measles. Uh, but there are other other examples. New instruments have been discovered by a zahrawi is a, you know, al is a physician in the late 9th, early 10th century, al-Zahrawi around the year 1000 in Muslim Spain. And there are many other uh, areas of innovation where, where Muslim physicians go beyond the Greek past. Uh, let's come to the subject uh, of alchemy. I mean, I believe even the word alchemy is an Arabic world, or like chemistry, the modern word chemistry is a... It's an Arabic world. is it well, not? It,
2: a... it, I mean, it, it's uh, indicative of the fact that the art of alchemy passed from the Greek-speaking world into the Arabic-speaking world because the, it's composed of two parts. So we have the al at the beginning being the, the um, Arabic definite article, the, and the kimia in Arabic coming from the Greek khumea, which uh, has a number of possible meanings, the most likely one being that it derives from the Greek verb cheo, which means to smelt metal or to melt metal from uh, metal or from from rocks. Um, So this perhaps meant the the art of of smelting or or dealing with molten metals. Um, And and then this was arabicized, and we get it as as alchemy, from which we also get the word chemistry.
0: So basically, uh, it's a Greek word... uh... I always thought it was humia, but that's not true. So basically it doesn't have to do with humos, with uh, juice. Uh. No,
2: uh, th- that's another possibility. Mm.
0: But, but I mean, anyhow, that? be that as it may, we have a Greek word which passes into Arabic, and then from Arabic it passes probably via Latin into our modern uh, languages. And right. uh, So the word kind of um, probably traces uh, um, the path of the knowledge which went with it. How did uh, alchemy... Or how how was Greek Greek alchemy important, or how did it develop uh, in well, the Arab world?
2: In the Arab well, first of all, Greek alchemy is is, is kind of interesting because it it seems that it was mostly practiced in those parts of the Greek speaking world that that came under uh, Muslim rule. So in um, Alexandria and in fact all of Egypt down down in the south in, into Upper Egypt, um, possibly across um, the 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 Near East, and certainly in Byzantium. Um, and it, it was amongst the earliest things to, uh, amongst the earliest types of work to be translated into Arabic, uh, certainly amongst, um, in sort of semi-legendary sources, it's claimed that 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 it was amongst the very earliest things to be translated into Arabic.
0: So uh, people we'll started you know, by, tra- so what you're saying is the first thing Muslim translated from Greek into Arabic... Were alchemical texts.
2: This, there, there is certainly a legend that an Arabic legend that states that the truth of that matter is is mm. uncertain. And that, that, in in fact, those translations are said to be dated um, to the to the early to mid seventh century, which is a bit early, earlier than what we'd expect from the Greco-Arabic translation movement. Um, but be that as it may, certainly a large number of, of alchemical texts were translated. Many more truly, uh, tr- authentic translations from the Greek exist in Arabic than they do now in the Greek. So, 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 what, you're, so what you're saying so is basically,
0: so if I understand you correctly, we only have these Greek texts in Arabic translation, we don't have the Greek any longer.
2: No, we have a very small corpus of the Greek texts that so, in Greek. So, we They have
0: were, to, so they
2: were taken up um, early by the same, so we get the same sort of names uh, of, of people interested in the alchemical texts, as we do in, in the medical texts. Um, Al-Razi, for example. So this is
0: just, you like to say it clearly, this is Abu Bakr Muhammad ibn Zakaria al-Razi, yeah, who lived, uh, or who dies in 925, and you know like was one of the major clinicians and alchemist also hmm. of the medieval Islamic world. Right.
2: So, so not only did he receive the um, Greek medical knowledge, and, and expand upon it and, and take, use it to, to boost his own practices, uh, his clinical practices. But he took the alchemical knowledge, which was mostly uncodified and was a sort of mishmash, in the Greek sources anyway, of, of myths and legends, of uh, chemical practices, recipes, um, all sorts of things. And he extracted the physical theory and codified it. He was one of the um, the first people to codify uh, minerals. He's, he's well-known as a mineralogist. Um, and his inspiration from this was the alchemical sources, trying to make some sense of it, which is something that didn't seem to happen in the Greek-speaking world.
0: So he brought, let's say, a theoretical outlook uh, to the whole process. He, when This is one aspect, and the other aspect is that he applied some sort of system? It's more
2: that? the system. I mean, listen, these, these texts were written in the, in the Greek to confuse people. Uh, they claimed that if you understand them, you get great knowledge, you're able to, for example, change base metals into gold. Obviously, this is something that that uh, any most individuals, and certainly any ruler of a country, would love to be able to do. Great for the economy, um, but impossible. Working with the Greek sources, they don't make any sense. Um he believed that, Razi, believed that there was truth to the matter and that it just needed to be, the material needed to be sorted through and understood correctly. And he was one of the first people who did this, uh, combining his experiences in the world, empirical research, with these cryptic texts. Uh, so he took the first real step, the, the, the first positive step towards what we now call chemistry, mm. away from sort of myths and legends of alchemy Mm
0: -hmm. interesting and this obviously in itself is uh, innovation and takes Mm -hmm. science uh, uh, a big uh, step forward now let's come to the legacy of this uh, translation movement I mean did did it make any difference to
1: Islam I mean did it have any impact on Islam would you say Uwe? It actually did have quite a fundamental impact on Islam because just as an example, philosophical literature, texts on logic, argumentation, and so on, had a deep impact on theological work that was carried out in the 10th, 11th, 12th century. So Greek logic actually became an an integral part of theological argumentation, not just in the Western, the Latin world, where in scholasticism, Aristotelianism was integrated into theology, but also in the uh, Islamic world, which had its own equivalent to that development. And the, the impact of these Greek-Arabic translations didn't just affect Islamic philosophy, of course. Um, their impact was actually much greater because uh, they ended up being translated into Latin later on or a substantial part of these these. Uh, Greek Arabic translations so that we find these texts all of a sudden in Late medieval Europe in the Renaissance being used as sources for understanding science for understanding natural phenomena and understanding Philosophical doctrines that were current at the time so on the one hand uh, one can say that um,
0: Islam as we know today would probably not have developed in that way were it not for this translation movement. I mean the theology, the Islamic theology, would have to develop differently because, you know, like, you need to argue in order to um, to be
1: a theologian. What would, would, would you say that that's correct? Uh, it would have been fundamentally different because yeah. the very argumentative, the, the the very foundation, philosophical foundation of much of Islamic theology, would be unthinkable yeah. without translations from Greek into Arabic of certain philosophical texts. Yeah. And obviously, again,
0: this does not mean that uh, people stopped at just, you know, receiving the Greek past, but, uh, you know, forging this theological tradition, they created something something very new. Um, although you also mentioned already this uh, translation movement from Arabic into Latin, uh, a lot of these Arabic texts which develop out of uh, the translation movement find their way back into Europe via Italy uh, and Spain and had an impact there. I mean, you know, one is you know rhetoric or you know logic. Obviously, other things are medicine, you know, alchemy. is translated on a massive, uh, massive Certainly. scale. Yeah, Al-Razi's
2: yeah. texts on alchemy were amongst the first books to be printed in in Latin in the West after mm. after um, in the fifteenth century.
0: Yeah. So, what what about uh, the Renaissance then? I mean, like this this is the printing culture. I mean. Uh, can we still feel the impact of the translation movement in the European
1: Renaissance? Or? In the European Renaissance, definitely, because uh, some of the earliest texts to be printed, scientific texts, for instance, were Arabic. Like Avicenna's uh, Canaan of Medicine was one of the earliest printest, printed texts in the, I think, even the late 15th century, it, it was already, it a very early print. So these texts were actually then used as school texts for quite some time to come. The same for certain philosophical texts. For instance, the commentaries of Avarios, they were used...
0: to Warwick's classics and discussion. Alchemy and alcohol are only two of the many Arabic words which came all the way to Albion. The word alchemy had to travel a long distance. Originally a Greek term used in Hellenized Egypt, it passed into Arabic, Latin, French, and finally English. Translation made this transfer of ideas possible. During the heyday of the Islamic empire in the eighth to 10th centuries, a massive translation movement from Greek into Arabic took place. Without it, our modern world would not be the same. No algebra and algorithms, for instance, no chemistry and no medicine as we know it. Islam itself would be unrecognizable because Muslim theologians and lawyers use the tools of Greek logic and argumentation to develop their own disciplines. Grieco-Arabic studies, a rapidly growing field within classics, investigates the translation movement. Why were nearly all available Greek texts translated into Arabic? How did these translations lay the foundation for much of Muslim civilization? And who were the people who produced them?